0: Kind of as an opening to our sermon today, it was, it was kind of a challenge as to which one of the texts that I was going to preach on, primarily because they're all talking about the same thing. They're talking about God's unconditional love and the, what that meaning or what that does for our lives. As I looked through all the lessons, however, I, it occurred to me that the one sentence that most of you would probably have a question about was the last sentence of the gospel lesson. Where it says, therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as the old. So I decided I'm going to preach on the Old Testament lesson. (laughs) Why? Uh, Because uh, some people don't realize that the message of the Bible is consistent. It's the same thing in the Old Testament and as well as the New Testament. And today I hope to be able to share that with you. So we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 7, 6 through 9. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant Of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. That is our text. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, once again, we want to thank you for bringing us here today, creating us the sense, the longing, if you will, to be a part of a service where we are reminded again of all you've done for us. As we focus our attention on your word, may your spirit allow us to understand. Our hearts would be open to appreciate all that you've done for us. And that your word would settle all issues in our heart of your unconditional love in Jesus, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Unconditional love. We've all heard of it before, right? Maybe we've claimed it. Uh, we hear it talked about for sure. It's a principle uh, that is commended to us by many. Many hopefully especially children, but it's also a concept that many of us seek to offer to others. And yet the truth about unconditional love is this. Among human beings, there's no such love that exists. Oh, there may be flashes from time to time, an event here, a loving act of forgiveness there. But all human love breaks down. It's finite and proves that it has limits. Given enough time and personal experiences, humans, love turns out to be, well, a human. I think that makes sense, doesn't it? Because haven't you experienced it? Now, it makes sense, if you think about it, to love those who are lovable, those who love us back, to love those who are loyal and kind and considerate to us. That makes sense. What doesn't make sense is to love those who lack any lovable qualities. People who are blatantly selfish and self-centered or even unfaithful when it comes to the love that we offer to them, loving that kind of a person really doesn't make any sense, does it? But that's exactly the kind of love that we need. Our text from Deuteronomy illustrates God's love for us and that it's unconditional, no strings attached. God's love is arguably inexplicable. It really doesn't make sense to the human mind. But it is what it is. And though we don't always understand it, we don't always know what to do with it, if we take it at face value, as God himself says it is, it makes sense of all the confusion of our lives. Believe it or not, God's unconditional redeeming love explains everything. Think about what God's love explains. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. His love explains who you are. You are God's people. You are holy to him and you belong to him. Israel was set apart by God from all the nations of the earth. By God calling them, giving them his commandments, and bringing them into a land that they called their own, they were different from all other people. Moses actually points out that they were chosen. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people. Notice they were not thrust upon God or begrudgingly accepted as leftovers. Okay, who's left? Oh, the Israelites. Okay, I love them. Not at all. They were those for whom God himself expressed a favorable desire. Now, notice Jesus says something very similar to us in the New Testament. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. We wake up every morning. We go to work. We go to school. We go about our daily activities as people who are different from the people of the world. We are God's holy people. We belong to him. He gives us all the glory, all the majesty, all the honor, all the righteousness that he possesses. He gives that to us, and thus he makes us his treasured possession. Think about that. You know, as far as God is concerned, when it comes to you and me, we could easily be compared to what Jesus was talking about in the first place. Two parables of our gospel lesson. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Who's the man? It's not us. It's God. We're his valued treasure. He would sacrifice all to possess us again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value he went away and sold everything he had and bought it this isn't about us being merchants and stumbling across the gospel and go oh wow this is really great i'm going to sell everything to buy it we don't do that but jesus did that He did that for you. He did that for me. He chose us. He desires to have a relationship with us. But even the parables, even though we have these things, let's be frank, it it doesn't always make sense. And yet, what did the Scripture say? The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people. For you are the fewest of all people. Now, put this into context. We're talking about a nation here. When you think about special nations, when you think about a nation that stands out, you know what nation you think about, don't you? The United States of America. The biggest economy, the most powerful nation there is, militarily speaking, when it came in our heyday to developing things for the world, who was out leading the charge? The U.S. of America, right? The world wars were accomplished because the U.S. of America was a part of it, right? If there was a nation that would claim, here am I, choose me, choose me, it would be us, U.S. So, To be the fewest? The smallest? Would God choose them? Would God choose Russia? China? Italy? Nah, he picked the U.S., that's what we think. There's something special about us. That's why we would be chosen. And yet the Israelites weren't anything special. They were few. These words come after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness where the Israelites demonstrated repeatedly again and again that God wasn't taking care of them the way they thought they should, he should. There wasn't water, there wasn't enough to eat, there was this, it was that, how come, how come that? 40 years of that, and yet God chose that people. Why? When you think about Israel, you can go all the way back to the very beginning of it all, and there you had just one guy and his wife. It was Abram and Sarah that got that first promise, I will make you into a great nation, and all nations will be blessed through you. There's only one guy, and the guy that God gave the promise to wasn't uh, an individual that didn't sin. My goodness, Abraham was a demonstration of how not to trust God. He was always coming up with his own plans to save himself by telling others he really wasn't married to Sarah, or that Sarah really wasn't his wife, he was his sister. Element of truth, but still, was he the guy that God would build his promise on? He was. Why didn't he choose the Egyptians, the Greeks, or the Romans? Those would have been some nations to hang your hat on. But God didn't do that. Whatever boasts that we make, whatever sources of of pride that we have, these do not form the basis of God's love for us. And we must abandon all hope and confidence in ourselves of finding the cause of God's love in ourselves. The conclusion that we come to is that we are only great sinners. And that sin has reduced all of us to the dust of death. If God's love was like human love, it would have reached its limit with us a long time ago he would have left us he would have dumped us and with good reason that would make sense the only way of 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 being god's people can be explained is that his love for us made us unlovables is lovable it's about our value to god we are precious to god for jesus sake now from god's perspective we are we're actually worth the sending of his son from god's perspective we're worth jesus shed blood his innocent suffering and death because that's how god the father redeemed us Jesus paid the price to make us God's own to give us the ability to live under him and his kingdom but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your father's your forefathers, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. God's love makes an unconditional promise And then keeps it. For reasons we struggle with trying to explain, God chooses people to be His own just because He loves us. And then He said, We are His. That's it. No redos, no renegotiating no new extended contract, no canceling the deal. Instead, God's love acted to make us his by doing whatever it took. God's promise to justify us and to be our advocate is not made in view of our sinfulness, but it's in view of Christ's sacrifice for our sins. Thus, for us, it's purely unconditional. God's love for the, the sinful likes of us is itself uh, inexplicable. It, it, it really, on the one hand, it doesn't make any sense. But because of his love, a magnificent reality comes into view, and everything is now explained. We are sinners who have been made God's people, all by his gracious choice alone, his love for eternity. And he made that happen to us by the unconditional love that he demonstrated through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. This is God's love in action. And that explains everything. Go back and reread the Romans Bible passage. I believe that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his plan. You are loved by God. You've been called according to his plan. And yet you find yourself in the middle of something that doesn't make sense. People are dying around you. That Things just aren't falling into place. Things are broken. Things aren't looking like there's any kind of success in our future. And yet in the middle of all that, what does God tell you? You belong to me. I'm yours. You're my treasured possession. Say what? I, I, I look at the things around me and I don't look like a treasured po- possession. Could it be that you're looking at your definition of what a treasured possession looks like instead of looking at it from my perspective of what a treasured possession looks like? you think you're going to spend any time in heaven bellyaching about how bad your life was? Serious. You think there's a line up there, a complaint? I got to talk to God about what happened back in 2023 when this happened. I just don't know about it. I don't have a reason, so I'm going to go complain. You think there's a row up there for that? There's not. We're going to step into glory and all of a sudden, poof. Our eyes are going to be open and we're going to see all of our lives from God's perspective. We're going to look back to whatever things that we struggled with and realize that God worked for the good of me. Just not the way I wanted it. But I was always within his protective care. I was always under his guidance. He always provided for me. That's the reality of unconditional love. That's why it explains things when things happen. We're winding our way through the second part of the church year, right? And the question is, what is my response to all Jesus Christ has done for me? For all which it is my duty to thank and praise, to serve and obey him, this is most certainly true. Amen. Amen.